Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Around the Keg podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. We had another crazy weekend of college football last Saturday, and we got a lot to talk about. But before we get into it, Matt, what you got on tap? Oh, baby. You know, I'm going with an ice-cold Budweiser with my galette go-to-hell-Auburn koozie in commemoration of Auburn losing, and I hate them. So it's just a natural thing to do. Lando, what you got over there today, buddy? Bush. As I spill my beer <laughs> on my pants. You got a little dribble there. I'm drinking an ice cold Bush. Sponsor of Kevin Harbrick, driver of the number four Bush Beer Ford Mustang. Keith, what you got on tap, boss man? Today I'm drinking uh, probably my third favorite beer. It's a Terrapin Hopsecutioner. Uh, you know, I drink way too many of these watching the Braves this season. That was a waste. But uh, why is that not a why is that not a Tuscaloosa local beer? Well, I'm mad at myself. We went all the way to Tuscaloosa, and <laughs> on the way out, I completely forgot to stop and get some beer. I was planning on it the whole time, and I forgot. So I'm not drinking uh, a Shiner Brock or anything like that. I'm drinking a Terrapin. So what you got, Chad? Oh, well, first of all, boys, it's always great to great to hear from you guys again, ready to get pumped up for another show. I am out here with a nice Paps Blue Ribbon, second week in a row. Got them sitting in the fridge. You know, I kind of shat on it last week, but the more I drink them, I, I actually do kind of like them. I kind of went through a phase where I didn't really care for it, but these these are not bad. Wit, resident Georgia fan, how are you feeling, buddy? What do you got on tap? Uh, well, in a word, depressed. Uh, but I, you know, I'm drinking a Michelob Ultra. It's been the favorite here lately, mostly because I haven't actually gone and bought new beer anytime recently. But uh, you know, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right after a pretty disappointing weekend. But uh, you know, got through work this week. It's Tuesday. Uh, there's no football on TV, but I'm watching the Dodgers and the uh, Rays play in the World Series. Still a little upset about the Braves losing on Saturday, but. But we're, we're going to get through it. Uh, so what do you guys think about college football going on this weekend? I know we had a big game with Alabama-Georgia. Uh, Matt, how would you feel about that game? Oh, man. You know, I'll be honest. Like I said last week on the pod, I, I thought that this was the year that Georgia was going to do it. Um, I thought that their, their defense being the best in the SEC, uh, third in the country going into the weekend, I thought that that was going to be the downfall. I thought they were going to get enough stops. We we're going to have to score some points. And even in years past, whenever we've had Tua and, and Jalen Hurts, we struggled to put points up. Uh, we put up 28 in the SEC championship a couple years ago. So I didn't think that we were going to be able to score like we were able to. Um, but props to Mac Jones. Uh, he did a phenomenal job of coming over. Like early, he struggled. He was like 5 of 11, uh, had some incompletions. I think the, the maybe the jitters of the game got to him a little bit. First major start. Uh, he's he in took Tuscaloosa. a ton of shots. He took a ton of shots uh, he, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the 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 thing with him is, is he's tough as hell. He is tough as hell. Um. He he hung in there. He he slung that tater around the yard, and uh, he he gave us. You know, obviously, I was thrilled to see the way that we played overall. The defense sucked in the first half, and then pitched a shutout in the second half. Uh, but I think some of that had to do with the fact that we put Georgia on the hill on their heels. Uh, we forced a turnover. And then it became a passing game, and that's something that Stetson Bennett's not going to be able to do, and Georgia's not going to be able to do to be successful. Um, so I think that that had a lot to do with it. But overall, man, I was extremely pleased. When Nick Saban smiles after a game, 
and he dances in the locker room, you know it was a good game for Alabama. Stetson Bennett, he played tough in that game in the first half, and he got some passes deflected. I think his height actually came in, uh, became a disadvantage for him early on in that game. But, you know, when Alabama put pressure on him and he got enough shots taken to himself, I felt like Stetson Bennett started pressing. And Alabama's defense did a phenomenal job in that game of kind of exposing some of Georgia's holes on offense. I think Witt's been saying it the whole time. Georgia's really needed a deep threat, and it showed this week. Georgia's defense played well. I, I don't think that, that Georgia's out of it by any means. I don't think you should really take a lot into consideration from this game. I still think Georgia controls their own destiny in the SEC East, and as a Florida fan, I still think we're going to lose. Let me ask you all a question because, I mean, this is my impression. I think the biggest difference in the second half was Alabama stopped giving up the six, seven yards on the run, on the ground. Well, I mean, that, that, that to me was the biggest difference. You're able to shut down Stetson Bennett because we stopped giving up the ground game. So I bet money on this game, and thank God, I bet on Alabama. Want some that money. 15 bucks better have tasted real good Saturday night. It's, it's, it's tasting real good right now, actually. Anyway, <laughs> um, but to answer your question there, Matt, uh, I think Alabama's defense was definitely uh, not given like enough credit for how much they improved playing against Georgia. From what I saw, I think Alabama has a lot of young talent on defense, Especially there were there was one play, uh, I think it was during the second quarter, Stetson Bennett threw a deep bomb to one of the receivers, and there was a linebacker covering that uh, receiver. And instead of continuing to run and make a play on the ball, he, he decides to kind of flip his hips and start backpedaling and, and, and try to intercept the ball and make an athletic catch instead of continuing to run and intercept the ball. So I think, you know, uh, Alabama's defense is going to get a lot better. And I think they have lots of young talent on that Alabama defense, as they always do. They just have a lot of growing pains to get through. And I think that second half proved that they're going to be pretty scary in the next couple, coming uh, upcoming years. But they're, the, here's, the, here's the problem with the Alabama defense thing. And, and this is where I go back. I said week one, Bama fatigue. We're comparing Alabama's defense, this year's Alabama defense, to Alabama defenses of the past. So whenever we talk about Alabama defense and, oh, it's a down year, they're probably going to be a top – probably top 15 defense this year. But for Alabama standards, that's a down season compared to what they were whenever they were the number one, number two defense every single year for five or six years in a row, just rolling out linebackers and especially middle linebackers. Alabama's young. Uh, Dylan Moses ha- being back in the middle of that linebacker course, huge for them this year. Uh Malachi Moore, he made some big plays. He's a true freshman. So he's going to be huge in the next couple of years. Wit, I'm curious to get your perspective because I, <laughs> I agree with Chad. I don't think Georgia's out of it by any means. And no, I, I, said, I don't think they are either. I, and I said last week, I thought that Georgia at some point, and I thought it was going to be that game, they were going to have to make the switch to JT Daniels because I don't think Stetson Bennett is going to be able to control – uh, I don't think Stetson Bennett is going to be able to, to do it long-term. I think that he's limited in certain areas. So, uh, Witt, what you got? What are you, what are you thinking? Well, so when I watched the game on Saturday night, the first half looked really good. I don't remember a single bit of the second half after Jalen Hurts's <laughs> – or not Jalen Hurts. Jalen Waddle's 90-yard touchdown where Tyson Campbell just completely tripped over his own feet because of how freaking fast that dude is. And 
put them up, what was it, 27, 24, I believe was the score at that point. That was right out of halftime. Yeah, that was about five pitchers deep, I believe, maybe four. It was it was a night for sure. But, you know, a lot of people since this weekend have been texting me going, man, I know you're hurting from that game. I could not have been easy watching it with a bunch of crazy Bama fans in Tuscaloosa with all that going on. And, you know, to be honest, I didn't have a problem. You know, I, I, we had one guy come up to us who was like barking in our ears and being like, oh, screw you guys, screw you guys. Georgia fans suck. But uh, besides that, I mean. The Alabama fans were great, honestly. They were I mean, they're not threatened probably because they're so good all the time. But like Georgia, Auburn, the fans are terrible when you go there. But the Alabama fans yeah, were just phenomenal, super welcome. We made a we made a we, lot we of take friends. we take pride in our southern hospitality. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm a big fan of T Town. I I solely hate the football team and Nick Saban, but T Town is a fun place. It's honestly like I've been telling these guys all week and all weekend, probably as I was blackout drunk. T Town is my favorite college town. Besides University of Georgia, Athens, Georgia, and Statesboro, Georgia, the school that we all went to, Georgia Southern, uh, those two are for sure my favorites. Of course, I'm a little biased, but uh, T-Town, besides that, out of all the ones I've been to, I've been to like Knoxville, I've been to Columbia, I've been to a couple in the SEC, I've been to Clemson, and T-Town is for sure my number one. But since we're talking about the game, we're not talking about my fun time. Uh, I'm honestly going to disagree with you guys a little bit here. I actually think, I actually thought Georgia's offensive line played pretty well against Alabama's defensive line I think this is one of the worst Alabama defensive lines I've seen in a long time and I'm not saying they're bad because usually Alabama defensive lines are incredible they're like there's like three or four first round picks on the defensive line but honestly I in the first half at least Georgia was blowing them off the ball um, but I thought Georgia had a lot of missed opportunities because of Stetson Bennett who actually in the first half I thought played pretty well I thought he took advantage of a lot of opportunities Alabama was giving him and then in the second half after that 90-yard touchdown from Jalen Waddle, I think Georgia started pressing a little bit, started making him throw the ball a little bit more than he should have been. And he threw that interception, like Chad was saying, the little tip pass that got picked off. And then I think he started pressing. He started missing wide-open guys in the flat, started trying to look down the field and make plays or get out of the pocket and make plays. And then he just started making all kinds of mistakes and just kind of blew up. I honestly think that's what really happened in that game more so than besides the fact of Alabama's offense probably being – Easily the best offense in the country. You know, let, if you want to go around the SEC real quick if y'all want to. How about South Carolina and Kentucky, man? That Those two defenses really absolutely shut down Tennessee and Auburn this week. South Carolina and Kentucky, like, I think they pose a threat to Florida and Georgia, at least from, well, Florida's already beat South Carolina. But, like, I, I think that those two defenses can keep themselves in games going forward like well what do you guys think I don't know how much you guys watched those games this weekend but South Carolina made Bo Nix look horrible and Kentucky absolutely cemented themselves as the number three team in the SEC East and I mean they just obliterated Tennessee and shattered any any height that was left I'll be honest I don't think shutting down Bo Nix is much of a much of a kudos Uh, I think Bo Nix is one of the most overhyped quarterbacks in the SEC Gus Malzahn I think his seat is scorching hot Auburn's offense is not good just in general. Will they probably wind up beating Alabama somehow this year? No, because it's not in Jordan Hare. If it was there, probably they would. Honestly, I don't I don't think that like South Carolina, again, they still have yet to like really impress me. Like they they beat a a, a mediocre Auburn team in my opinion. 
Kentucky has been more impressive to me than anybody because the the Tennessee win, which was my lock of the week, I thought it was going to be a little bit closer than it was. Um, <laughs> Tennessee's offense is abysmal. Uh, Kentucky's defense is very good, and I'm not going to take anything away from them. I think Kentucky's defense could help them stay in games more so. And, and maybe South Carolina is against uh, uh, Georgia or uh, a, a Tennessee – where they're not going to have the the high powered offense, but Kentucky's offense or defense is good. They'll keep them in games, and I think that they're more impressive than South Carolina's. Personally, I think I think, I think Georgia should beat South Carolina pretty handily this year. That's yeah. just my take. So the difference between the teams we're talking about right now is Kentucky and South Carolina know what kind of football teams they are. Tennessee is still figuring out who they are. And Auburn has lost who they are. Kentucky Agreed. has had Mark Soups for a long time. And they know and that they're... he's done a great job. Exactly. He's done a great job. They know they are a physical, run the football, play defense type of football team. And for that reason, they kicked Tennessee's ass. Tennessee is still trying to figure out, you know, who they are. Mark, uh, Pruitt is still, you know, trying to get his type of system in Tennessee. So, you know... Their offense, it's it's sputtering right now because, you know, they came up against a good Kentucky defense, but they're still just trying to, you know, get, get their legs under, underneath them. Uh, Auburn, Gus Malzahn has to go. It's time. It's been time. His seat is, is scorching hot. And I think uh, South Carolina with Will Muschamp, Will Muschamp's seat has, has always been hot since he got there. So he's been trying to make that team a smash my football team. So I think winning against Auburn has really proved that, you know, he's here to stay for a while. Talking about coaches, uh, I got a question for Witt. I saw the stat pop up this week. It was about uh, the first 60 games at Georgia for both coaches, uh, Kirby Smart and Mark Richt. So Mark Richt was 49 and 11. Kirby Smart is 47 and 13. What's your thoughts on that one? Not to make this sound like a Georgia bias podcast anymore that it already is, but (laughs) sorry to go back and talk about that one. You know, it doesn't look good. It looks pretty bad. I mean, the record looks bad. I mean, Mark Rick could never could never win it all. He could never beat Bama. He could never beat Florida when they had Urban Meyer, except for that one year. But that, that was, was always five, the he thing. He was five and ten. He was five and ten in fifteen years against Florida. Kirby Smart has an advantage on him there because Kirby Smart's only lost once. To who? Florida? Well, yeah, but Florida hasn't been hasn't been what they had with Urban Meyer. That was always the thing with Rick is but, that he he would always win ten games, but see the difference between Rick. But see, ones. what is it? What has it been? This is Kirby Smart's. Is it five? Is it's it his fifth five. year or sixth year? Year five. It's year five. So, yeah, it's a, it's five. It's five or six. I mean, you could make the argument that if the playoff was a thing back when Mark Rick was the head coach of Georgia, Georgia might have honestly actually made a run to win a couple of national championships. So we had some really good teams. And back then, the SEC wasn't isn't wasn't what it is now, where it's just completely dominant. And if you win the SEC, you're gonna make the playoff no matter what. Yeah, so back, I, yeah. like Georgia. I mean, Georgia won the SEC championship in 2002. We won it in 2005. Both those years, we probably should have made the playoff if there was a playoff. Back in those days, the Big 12 was was huge, huge powerhouse in football. Kansas was good. Oklahoma was good. Texas was good. We had lots of good teams. So you know. I I agree with your statement, Wit, because the SEC wasn't wasn't a powerhouse. So yeah, they would have competed, 
But, you know, they would have, they would have also had to compete against the Texases of the world, the USC's of the world, and all those other good teams that were good back then. But I, I want to I add one thing because I, I agree with Witt. If there was a playoff, I think the 2007 Georgia team that went to the Sugar Bowl and just obliterated Hawaii, I think that they would have competed for a national championship. I think that Georgia in 2002 would have competed for a national championship if the playoff was a thing. The SEC East was so hard back then. Like the SEC, like t- it, on any given year, it was a, it was a pick 'em. Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, who's going to win it? And then the SEC West was down. The SEC East was what the SEC West is now. So, like, for uh, – but I also want to give Kirby Kirby's due. I think I think Kirby is a fine coach. I think that his, his trouble is, is that he's run into a revolutionary offense in LSU – and he lost to them in an SEC championship, and then he lost to them the year before that whenever he had to play them in Baton Rouge, which is never an easy place to play. He lost to a revolutionary quarterback in Tua, and in, in a game where they it, that Tua wasn't, had never even played a meaningful minute of football. Like, he had played some football, but not in a meaningful game. So that, that was a game that, that, that – those games that are losses on Kirby's record – I think that those are tough games to really pin on him. And I feel like, Mark, honestly, Mark Rick, and I remember it really well because uh, that's what, that when he, his first year was really when I started getting into college football, Mark Rick was a damn good football coach. And so when people start comparing Kirby to Mark Rick, and they're like, oh, I mean, he's only two games different. There's a reason that Mark Rick was around for 12 years without winning a national championship because he was a damn good football coach. He was really years. good. At, he was a really good yep, American years. tackle football coach. He knew the damn game and he was a he did a phenomenal job at it. So and Kirby Smart is competing against the greatest college football coach of all time in Nick Saban in yeah. the same conference and having to beat him every year. The only year that he didn't have to beat him was when there's two years and it was when Auburn Somehow, out of nowhere, well, honestly, it was probably because Jalen Hurts was playing quarterback and not Tua. In 2017, when Auburn made it to the SEC Championship and Georgia beat Auburn in that rematch, and then they had to play probably the greatest offense in college football history in LSU last season. Um, so, and he's, and he's been out recruiting Nick Saban on certain years in the past five years. I mean, he's gotten – he's had two number one classes. He's had two – Number two classes, he's had a number three class and like a number six class since he's been there. Mark Rick had some damn good classes, especially early on. He 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 was doing he was similar to Kirby. He was very similar to Kirby. Lando, I know you got something to say. What you got? All right, so th- this has driven me nuts for the past the past year. Okay, so question for you guys: uh, Everybody says, "Oh, LSU's offense was." was historical last year oh it's the best we've ever seen have you guys forgotten what what oklahoma has done for the past 15 years i mean shit but did you see what happened to oklahoma last year against that lsu offense did you see who were playing the quarterback (laughs) i mean i mean shit man (laughs) like come on (laughs) You guys, you guys throw around. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Big Twelve defenses aren't SEC defenses, but when the Big Twelve plays 
SEC teams, what usually happens? What happened in the Alabama year? That one was a blowout until uh, Alabama took the brakes off, pulled the pulled, uh, ease off the gas. How about, how about 2000, uh, 2014 Sugar Bowl? Exactly, exactly. What, what what happened in that year? And don't tell me Alabama didn't want to be there. All right, Alabama <laughs> Alabama had over five hundred yards of total offense in that year. In hey, that we game, played, we we did play bad. <laughs> I mean, we, us playing bad means that you played good. You guys didn't play bad. I'm just gonna tell you right now. You you didn't play bad. You played good football. We, we were we were just better. We were better. Come on, admit it. Trevor, I remember that game. Trevor Knight was playing out of his freaking he played, mind. He, he played out of his ass. Uh, yes, I, our defense, like I said, played, our defense played bad. Uh. Move on. <laughs> well, you Next can, topic. You, let's talk about the Big Ten before we go down a rabbit hole like we just did. But I had to say, let's it. give some. Let's give. Let's give Lando some time to to calm himself. Um, I want to know what you guys think. Big Ten starts this weekend. I have a couple of questions that I want to really ask you guys, and I'll try to try to hit on all of them here so we can just kind of take it as one. Is it Ohio State versus Penn State and then everybody else? Wisconsin and Michigan, what do you guys think? And does Minnesota repeat themselves from last year? I personally think that it's Ohio State and Penn State versus everybody else. So, yes to that first question. I think Wisconsin and Minnesota are going to battle it out to win the other division. But I still think that Michigan and Wisconsin are going to be kind of grouped in a, in a sense together where they're part of that second tier. They can't really break, break that glass ceiling because I don't think Jim Harbaugh is ever going to break the glass ceiling. I, I think Jim Harbaugh eventually is going to take a National Football League job and leave, and Michigan's going to start over. And, I, and to finish it off before I get your guys' opinions, I really – Really like this Minnesota team they got coming back. Apparently, their whole entire offensive line is pretty much coming back. Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman are both back after opting out originally. And P.J. Fleck is an absolute man. I love the row of the boat. Um, I am behind this Minnesota team. Matt, I want your opinion, man. What like, Where do you land on all that? Because I, I think I've heard you say it before. I, I think you're a believer in P.J. Fleck just like I am as well. I'm a believer in P.J. Fleck. I, I – I'm honestly, st- I like Jim Harbaugh. I think he's a good coach. I just think that right now the Big Ten, even in recruiting, is Ohio State and everybody else. Um, I, I I don't think that Michigan is not exactly what it used to be, and they want to try to be like, oh, we're a, we're a we're a, we we should be a top ten program. I mean, not recent history says no, you really shouldn't. Um, Rich Rod and Rich Rod and Brady Hoke set them back a long way. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that the, that their fan base has refused to admit that. And I mean, I understand how that goes because you know Mike Shula. It should have taken Nick Saban years to get us back from from where we were from the Francione and Mike Shula days. Shout out to Mike Shula, but I think I like PJ Fleck a lot. I think Minnesota though, Georgia Southern was a was. Seven seconds away from beating Minnesota last year on the road. So let's not forget that Georgia Southern played their butts off against that team. Hell yeah. I think Minnesota is a is a is a decent team. They're a good a decent team. I think PJ Flex is a phenomenal coach, but I, I don't know if I see them repeating what they did last year because they're not gonna be a surprise on anybody's schedule now. Like I think last year not a lot of people maybe took them as seriously as they were. That's not to take anything away from them. What they did was was great, but uh, I, I think well, it's Penn State, Ohio State, 
everybody else. Or Ohio State one, Penn State two, and then everybody else. Well, if you look, if you look at Minnesota's schedule, their hardest games are Michigan, who they have this week, and then they have Iowa and Wisconsin in the back half of the season. And then outside of that, they don't play Ohio State. They don't play Penn State. They have Nebraska, Northwestern, Purdue, Illinois, all those teams lumped in there. You say, I mean, you're right. They're not going to be on a, a surprise on anybody's schedule. But at the same time, if you really look at Minnesota's schedule and the way it lines up, I think it lines up very well for them to continue what they've done. I know you brought up the Georgia Southern game as an example, but in all honesty, I don't know if that really applies because that Minnesota team in the first three games of the year versus how they played the back half of the season with the way they stepped up at home and competed with Penn State, that was a different team. I think that team came together the back half of the year. That Outback Bowl win over Auburn was huge for them. I know that was a 9-3 and three Auburn team, but for a Minnesota team emerging like they were last year, a win against Auburn in a Big Ten SEC New Year's Day Bowl game, that was huge. They have absolutely nothing but momentum on their side right now. And, and P.J. Fleck is just – I love the guy. I loved him at Western Michigan. I'm all about rowing the boat. I, I think that if they can scape, if, if they can just beat Wisconsin – if they can beat – I think they'll beat Michigan. I think they can beat Iowa. And I think they can kind of cruise through the rest of their schedule without any problems. I know Purdue's, Purdue's got Randall Rondell Moore, and I like uh, Jeff Brom a lot. So, I mean, I, I think they're going to bounce back from kind of the year they had last year. Pat Fitzgerald is going to get Northwestern bounce back, especially with Peyton Ramsey coming in as a transfer quarterback. But I I think Minnesota, with the way their schedule is, the, the is it eight, eight games or is it ten games? Big Ten's doing eight games, right? Yeah, eight games. I think Minnesota stands a chance. My take is going to be pretty short on this. This is Ohio State's to lose. Ohio State is the team in the Big Ten. When the entire conference shut down, Ohio State didn't stop. They kept going. So Ohio State, in my opinion, is going to absolutely run over the Big Ten. And I don't even think it's going to be close. Yeah, um, it's Ohio State. It's Ohio State. The only team I think that even has a shot is Penn State. And with Sean Clifford at quarterback, unless he takes a big step up from what he was last year, I don't even think they're going to come close. They got a really good running game. They brought back a lot. They lost Micah Parsons to the draft already. He already opted out. He's not opting back in. Um, I think it's Ohio State's to lose. I Unless they have some kind of like crazy Iowa, what was that, 2019 loss. 66 to 24. Wave at those kids, boys. Unless they have some kind of loss like that or like the Purdue loss from a couple years ago, it's it's not it's not happening this year. I think Ryan Day is one of the best coaches in the country. I love the guy. Um, I was not a big Urban Meyer fan, and not just because he coached at Florida. I just didn't, don't think he's the greatest guy in the entire world. Uh, but I love Ryan Day. There's a lot of reasons to like Ryan Day. I have, I have not had a single issue with him. Um, one of my best friends used to be an athletic trainer for the team. Um, he's still a massive fan, throws hype videos at me constantly. So I see the kind of stuff that Ryan Day does in the locker room. And honestly, it gets me hyped up. I don't even really cheer for Ohio State. Um, Plant the I, think Justin Fields is gonna be, <laughs> I think Justin Fields is going to be one of the best players in the country. I think he'll be back in New York this year for the Heisman Trophy. Um, I don't know if he'll win it, but I think he'll be up there. Um, he might even be the number one pick in the draft. I wouldn't mind if he was a Falcon, to be honest. Uh, they have the best offensive line in the country. 
the biggest worry with the Ohio State, I think, is going to be on defense. And it's because they lose guys like Chase Young and Jeff Okuda, but they bring back guys like Sean Wade, Zach Harrison, who was a five-star a couple years ago, who's an absolute stud. Baron Browning, who is coming into his own, is a really solid linebacker. Um, so, I, I mean, I think they're going to be good. But I will say I do think if they do end up having one of those crazy losses, that might put them out of the playoff just because of because they're only playing nine games, eight or nine games, depending on if they make the championship. Yeah, and this is so, not because so who, who placed them. Well, all right. Before we go to that, in the championship in the Big Ten championship, who placed them? Do you have Wisconsin or Minnesota coming out of that side? I took Minnesota before the COVID and all that, but I'm I'm Wisconsin brings a lot back on defense and lost I've, a lot of I've, offense. I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Wisconsin though. I think Graham Mertz is gonna start this year, and I think he's a lot better than the other guy. Is that the five star? Yeah, he was. I believe he was either a really high four star or five star, but. I wasn't the biggest they fan of Jack Cohn, so I think I think Graham Mertz is going to actually help them a lot on offense, and I don't think they're going to compete with Ohio State, but I think they're going to win the West. I do like Minnesota. Though. I, th- I think they're going to be really good too, but I don't think they're going to beat Wisconsin. Yeah, um, wit to go back to your point a couple of minutes ago, uh, I do not think Fields has any shot at being the number one pick in the draft, and that's not from hate. That's not from being. Uh, spiteful or anything like that. That's just because Trevor Lawrence is just that damn good, and that's also because You're not wrong. scouts are all over Trevor Lawrence. He's been good since he came to Clemson, and he 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 made some throws. Now, of course, they played Georgia Tech, and Did y'all see where he said we left fourteen points on the field. That was so cocky, <laughs> and he was that he was, was frustrated about it. And who said I, that? T Law, Trevor Lawrence. And I also want to address that for those who think that that was disrespectful for <laughs> Clemson to score 73 points on Georgia Tech. Listen here, that was not disrespectful. Uh, I actually, I'm going to save this for later, but uh, Clemson played a fantastic football game and major props to them. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to win the Heisman, first of all, and I think he'll also be the number one pick in the draft. Does anyone else have a gripe? Because I have a big gripe that Clemson is still number one after Alabama well, beating the number seven team in the country in the AP poll and Georgia, who's number well, four. They have not played competition yet, and they probably won't until they really play Notre Dame. And then after what we saw from Notre Dame this week, I mean, ah, they're not going to lose. I mean, I, I get that he's probably going to win the Heisman. He's without a doubt the number one pick. I hope the Falcons lose every game from here on out. And God bless Matt Ryan. I love him. But I want Trevor Lawrence. And because uh, I don't think the Jets are going to pick him, I mean they just drafted a quarterback, so I don't think the Jets are going to pick him. I, I mean I'm not a big Sam Darnold fan, but but I, I would love it if the Falcons got Trevor Lawrence. He, he I, he's going to probably win the Heisman, and he's going to be the number one pick without a doubt. But his competition has not stood up to the competition. I, I think the Clemson, I think the Clemson is still the number one team in the country until someone proves me otherwise. But I don't think they're the best team in the country. I, I think Bama is because of who Bama has like the competition that Bama plays. What were well, you saying, Keys? I think uh, you know, in a in a playoff system where so much rides on the committee's opinions of your team, uh, we we've seen this from you know UCF. Obviously, they they win two straight seasons. They can't get crap in the, in the rankings. You have to run the score up. That's I think that's partially why they're above Bama right now. If you if you say oh we beat them by you know thirty five forty points, pull everybody, you're you, you know you make yourself seem a little bit lesser than an Alabama team that that just topped Georgia. 
So if you just say, screw it, we're coming out, though, we are number one, we're just going to run up the score, you know, 90 to zero, then you are showing that you mean business, you're not stepping down. I think the playoff committee takes that into account, that you're that kind of cutthroat team this year, and you're not going to, you know, screw around and and, and just put in your your backups at halftime and go up by 35. If if, If UCF had scored 75 points, you know, against a team, then you would be like, okay, these guys aren't legitimately, you know, that much better than this team. But they they weren't actually able to do that. So, you know, that's why they were kind of like underneath the committee's opinions a little bit. But, you know, if UCF had come out there and blown out teams by 60, you know, they would, of course, have been in, I think, would have probably been in the playoff consideration. I mean, it is Clemson, though. I, I agree with that. And I, and I think that the other thing is, is Clemson hasn't given up 48 points and 600 yards of all, of offense to another team. True. So why would you put Alabama ahead of Clemson? Yeah, they beat Georgia, and it was a good win. That was a phenomenal win. I think that's a huge resume pattern. But overall, I mean, the week before you played an Ole Miss offense, which at the time was a world-beating offense. I mean, they were they they shredded through everybody, even Kentucky's great defense that we were just applauding earlier. They had shredded them uh, for 42 points. So, but that's the difference. Clemson is the number one team. And, and until they have a game where they look like they may not be, there's no reason to move them down. Yeah. And I, I want to add to Keith's point uh, the committee looks at the all around team aspect of a football team. And Clemson, in my opinion, has the best defense in college football. And that is because defenses like that do not give up points to lesser teams. You'll see like Oklahoma for it, for example, of course we don't have a good defense, but we will give up points to an, an, an FCS. Baylor, yeah, Kansas. yeah. 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 We'll give up, you know, 21 points to a team that shouldn't score a single point on a powerhouse Oklahoma football team. Clemson does not do that. Right. Um, yeah. Clemson, Clemson, yeah. Clemson doesn't let Clemson doesn't let NC state. Syracuse, Pitt, Wake Forest, they don't let them walk in there and go, okay, yeah, you beat us 53 to 31, whereas, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, uh, and and I'm going back to the Clemson-Georgia Tech game. Georgia Tech scored seven points, and Clemson played every single one of their players, and they only scored seven points. Clemson is the best team in college football. Well, Clemson, Clemson went on a sixty-six to nothing run to end that football game, and they put their punter in at quarterback. You got to remember, early on in this game, this game was tied. It was tied at seven, and Clemson was like, "Wait a minute! I totally forgot that if we drop our drawers, our ruler is going to measure a lot more than yours. So let's go on a sixty-six to nothing run." So I mean, you, you're exactly right. Like they don't—they're the number one team in the country because of exactly what you guys said they they don't let teams from the ACC which is so down right now and it has been for the past five or six years I mean it's, it's not good when seven teams in the Atlantic Coast Conference coastal division have won it and there's seven teams in that division they've all won it in the past seven years and and what does Clemson do they take a team like Virginia and Virginia Tech and Pitt who have Cinderella type seasons and go Psh, get out of here you don't belong here and they just destroy them well for people that uh you know i won't name names there's definitely not any of these people in this podcast that uh, think the sec is dominant 
So for teams like Clemson, yeah, none they, of us, right? Exactly, none of us. Uh, for teams like Clemson that play in the ACC, I mean, that's really what you got to do. You got to just run it up because you got to prove that it's like, yeah, we're not just hanging in by a couple touchdowns. You know, we are the definitive. You know, I would like to see teams like Ohio State do that as well. No question. Ohio State does do that also. <laughs> they they really they do. do. Maybe the not crap by, out of teams. Not by seven last year. Oh my god! Yeah, they did. Last year, except for Penn State. Seventy. One one thing about Clemson, though, I want to give a shout-out to Brent Venables because the dude could have been a head coach anywhere that he wanted so far. I really do believe it. He's a phenomenal defensive coordinator, and he draws up schemes every week that just shuts down defenses. And Brent Venables, I mean, I think Lando's over there saying, that's the guy I want to play, re- want to replace Lincoln Riley with. That's the guy that I want to bring to Oklahoma. Maybe I don't know. I, maybe not. I, so I, just, I actually have. There. I actually have. Brent Venables' last couple years at Oklahoma were abysmal. Okay, now that may have been because of we don't recruit the type of players Clemson does. At the end of the day, I don't care. Our defense was awful when Brent Venables left, and honestly, I kind of hate the guy because now he's gone to Clemson and found his. His stride, he he grew his wings, and now he's you know a great defensive coordinator. Like, why couldn't he have been that when he played for Oklahoma or uh, coach Oklahoma? It, it just, I don't know, I don't know. All right, guys. Well, let's get into our pour them out segment. Pour them out, cut them off. Uh, Lando, who are you pouring out this week? Who are you uh, so pouring this, one out for this week? This week, I'm pouring one out for Dabo Sweeney, head coach of the Clemson Football Tigers. He played every single one of his players this week except for one who has had some injury problems, but every single one of his players on his uh, on his roster that padded up this weekend played football, and I think that's actually pretty awesome because uh, for those of you who, who you know play sports, you know that there are some people on the football team or your sports team that don't get a lot of playing time, and you know they, they live for that, that couple plays that they get. So I think it's awesome that he you know got the score up to where he could put in every single one of his players. This week, I'm pouring one out for Dabo Sweeney. And this week, I am cutting off Clint Boyer. Now, we're talking racing, obviously. Clint Boyer is going to the booth, <laughs> and he is being replaced by Chase Briscoe, who is a fantastic Xfinity Series driver. I think Chase Briscoe is going to be awesome next year in the 14 car. He's going to bring that 14 car back from the freaking dumpster where it is right now because... Clint Boyer has underperformed in awesome equipment, so I'm poor. I'm cutting off Clint Boyer. He needs to go ahead and go to the booth. Chad, who you got? So I'm pouring one out like I did last week for multiple things. Uh, for starters, I'm going to pour one out for Zach Wilson, uh, BYU quarterback. Not a lot of people are paying attention to BYU, but BYU's ranked in the – I think they're 14th, and they're undefeated, um, in my opinion, with the way Notre Dame's playing right now. Um, I'm not saying BYU is better than Notre Dame at all, like as a whole, but I, I think right now with the way that, and their schedule has played a lot of part of this, BYU's playing really good football. And right now probably looking like the top independent um, outside of Notre Dame searching for a new year's six bowl. Uh, Zach Wilson, 25 of 35, 400 yards. Exactly. Uh, four touchdowns versus Houston on Friday night. Um, he is, completed or he has completed 78% of the passes he has thrown 
through five games for undefeated five and BYU team right now. Um, and he's got a 12 to one touchdown interception ratio. This kid is absolutely phenomenal. This is the same kid that as a freshman in the famous Idaho potato bowl, um, went 18 for 18 on a Western Michigan defense and had 347 yards two years ago. So this kid is, is kind of flying under the radar right now. Um, I think because he's at BYU, but the kid's playing, kid's playing great football. So, um, and I'm also going to pour one out for chivalry because chivalry is not dead at my job. We had homecoming last night for uh, our little six and under football teams. And during halftime for homecoming, we announced all the cheerleaders. We announced their parents who escort them across the field. And we had the five and six year old little boys running flowers across the field during halftime, full pads, helmets on everything, looking like a bobblehead running the full five year old sprint over to that little cheerleader to give her a flower. And I thought that was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. Chivalry is not dead. Um, teaching kids that chivalry is not dead at a young age. I love it. Love to see it. So pour one out there. And I'm cutting off Mac Brown and the North Carolina hype. And myself is included in that as well. I was high on Sam Howell and that North Carolina football team and the way that Mac Brown has recruited and done things since he's been there. Um, you know, last, uh, last week they – had to outscore a Virginia Tech team who I don't think is really that good. Um, I've made my opinions about Justin Fuente felt on this show for, and they had to outscore them. This week they play a lowly Florida State team who is a dumpster fire of a program right now. And first-year head coach Mike Norvell absolutely came out and smacked them in the face, jumped out to a 28-3 lead. Um, North Carolina tried to come back, made it a 31-28 game late. Um, we're driving, and on third and fourth down, in their last chance to get the ball, they were out of timeouts, and they threw it to two wide-open guys, Sam Howell, great throws, and they dropped it. Had the first down on both plays, and they dropped it. If you want to put yourself in the conversation as a team in the ACC to look out for, and with the hype that I personally and as well as other as well as well other media had given North Carolina and Mac Brown coming into this year, you got to make those plays. you got to win those games. You cannot lose to a lowly Florida State team on the road. So I am definitely, definitely going to cut off North Carolina, Mac Brown, and their hype. Matt, who are you pouring one out for this week? All right, so I am pouring one out for Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze has Liberty quietly 5-0, and uh, and, and they are absolutely rolling, and they just beat an ACC, a Syracuse team, an ACC team. So uh, pouring one out for, for Hugh Freeze. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if he can uh, control himself and not use his work phone to call any escorts while he's there at a Christian university. Um, certainly couldn't handle himself when he was in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, but that's what I'm pouring one out for. And then my, uh, my you're cut off. I am cutting off Georgia sports fans, uh, namely Braves fans. And, and here's why. All right, Peter, the Braves, man. It oh, just hurts. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It hurts. So, so, like, here's the thing. It, I'm not even cutting off Braves fans for probably what you're thinking. I'm cutting off Braves fans because I am seeing so much John Smoltz slander on Twitter, Instagram, you name it. They're like, oh, I never want to see John Smoltz with a Braves hat on. He is a national media member. When he is calling a game, he is calling it for the national broadcast, not the Atlanta broadcast. He is not trying to appeal to Braves fans. He is trying to tell the story of the game as it is. And Braves fans are like, oh, John Smoltz is out here with Mookie Betts' dick in his mouth. And it's like, well, Mookie Betts is probably the second best player in the fucking majors. Let's uh, 
Cooler role. And, like, okay, the Dodgers are a phenomenal American professional baseball team. They play good baseball. I don't like the Dodgers. I hate the Dodgers. They're a good team. Let's not take anything away from them. And then the reason I say Georgia sports fans is because the Georgia Bulldogs, they lose, and not all Georgia fans. My good buddy Witt has, has handled this well. But Georgia's barstool page, so many Georgia fans on Twitter talking about, well, it's hard to beat Alabama when you got to also beat the refs. Are you kidding me? That was a pretty well officiated game, in my opinion, unbiased as always. But other you know other what? than other than one pass interference call in the end zone that they probably shouldn't have got, I thought it was fine. I mean, yeah, but it, I mean that's a fifty fifty call. I it, it, I agree with you though. Uh, that may have been, but you can't blame the refs for a loss. That wasn't going to help Stetson Bennett complete more passes and not throw interceptions. Uh, and you got to stop Najee Harris from running the ball late in the game. So that's who I'm cutting off. Uh, Wit, who are you cutting off? Uh, who's your who are you pouring one out for? Who are you cutting off? So I'm pouring one out for T Town. Like I was talking about earlier, great city. Even to watch Georgia get their asses handed to them by an Alabama football team. Uh, and I'm also pouring one out for my boy Keys and his Donald Trump impressions because uh, they were killer with the ladies on Saturday night. I'll tell you that. And they were they were phenomenal. And uh, for my new friend Alex Brim, whose fiddle skills were or quite something on Saturday night at uh, at the Red Shed in Tuscaloosa. Um, he's a great guy, and I hope he's listening right now. Uh, you know, I'm going to cut off SEC coaches in the state of Mississippi because they're two and six this year after showing flashes of being turning turning stuff around and starting to get back to the top. Everybody thought the Egg Bowl was going to be something special this year, and you know, now it's not looking that way. Um, and you know, they're both getting shown up by Sam Pittman in Arkansas, who was probably the worst team in the SEC. So. They, 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 they need to quit drinking. Case, here you, here you pour one out for this week. Yeah, thanks for the uh, praise of my Donald impression. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so I'm going to cut off North Carolina, same as Chad. They lost to an absolutely terrible Florida State. You don't need to say anything more about that. That was just a big L for North Carolina. And uh, I'm going to pour one out for Alabama. A lot of people you know, said that they didn't have the defense for it. And they stepped up, and I know that... Uh, Stetson Bennett made a bunch of mistakes. Some certain fans will say that there was some referee error. I don't know how much of that there was, but Alabama really stepped up. They they won the game, and uh, they, they, they showed to be the more solid, well-rounded team. So I'm pouring one out for Alabama. Awesome, Keys. All right, guys, well, let's get into our locks of the week. Chad, you're up first. Who's your lock of the week? Uh, so my lock of the week, uh, to be very honest with you, has nothing to do with uh, football. Um, I'm picking a football game. But uh, I, I, I got in a conversation with our good buddy Mark Scratis the other night about something incredibly inappropriate. I won't go into that. But um, for those of you who know um, who Brandy Love is, I won't tout what she does as a profession. But uh, <laughs> but my uh, her daughter goes to her daughter. Yeah, she's an actress. Let's just let's just say that her daughter goes to uh, West Virginia University up in Morgantown. Great party school. Um, I would love to go to a game in Morgantown one day, um, but I'm I'm going to go with West Virginia over Texas Tech as my lock, um, strictly for Brandy Love, but also for the football sake of it. Uh, Texas Tech uh, benched Allen Bowman. Uh, Matt Wells is in his second year at that program, and they are not at all trending in the direction that I thought they would, especially with the job he did at Utah State. So I'm going with West Virginia over Texas Tech in the Big 12. Shout out Brandy Love. Matt, who you got? 
I'm actually, uh, you know, if we want to stay along the lines of people being promiscuous, I'm going with Joey Freshwater, famous Tinder profile of head coach Lane Kiffin, and I'm going with the Ole Miss Rebels over the Auburn Tigers. Uh, this week is my lock of the week. I know Witt is uh, cutting off cutting off Lane, the Lane train, but if you look at – I watched that entire game, hashtag Ole Miss student, and Ole Miss student bias kicking in, hashtag Ole Miss student bias. I am – really high on what Ole Miss has done this year and if you watch I watched that entire game they had seven turnovers and still had a chance to win the game they had the ball at the end with a chance to win Matt Corral uh threw some terrible passes I don't know what he he was like seeing ghosts out there Sam Darnold style uh he, he was just throwing it right to guys wearing maroon jerseys um don't know what he was seeing and it was almost like after he threw one he started pressing and he threw six by the end of the day. So uh, Matt Corral had a rough day, but I don't think that – I think the story was that, that Ole Miss's defense only gave up 27 points that they were accounted for. So I think that they're going to play an Auburn offense that hasn't shown a lot similar to Arkansas's uh, offense uh, with a quarterback that is as good as Felipe Franks and Bo Nix. And I think Ole Miss's off defense steps up, and uh, that Ole Miss's offense scores enough to beat Auburn. They're at home uh, in uh, in the Ox Patch, uh, so I, I'm I'm going with the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, Wit, what's your lock of the week? So I got another upset this week for my lock of the week. I'm actually going with Pitt to knock off Notre Dame. They get them at home. Pitt's got the number seventh ranked total defense in the country. I honestly just think Notre Dame's overrated. Um, I think Kenny Pickett for Pitt is an extremely underrated quarterback. I think he's been doing yes. really well against some of these ACC defenses. Yes, um, Kenny and Pickett. I there's just I just haven't seen anything from Notre Dame. I mean, they scored 12 points against Louisville last week, and Georgia Tech put up what 48, 46, something 41. like that. 41. 41 against yeah against this Louisville defense, and Notre Dame couldn't even put up 13. So I, I think I think Pitt's going to bring up the upset, and I think Notre Dame's going to drop in the rankings and finally kind of sit where they belong, kind of more towards the middle of the top 25. Uh, Keys, you got a lock of the week? Oh, yeah. Last week I went with the worst matchup I could find. Uh, not going to do that this week, although uh, I was correct. Actually, North Texas did win that game. Uh, this week I'm going to go with uh, North Carolina versus NC State, number 14 versus number 23. It's a good uh, ACC rivalry. I've got... Uh, NC State winning this, even though Devin Leary broke his leg last game, I believe. Bailey Hockman's going to step up, and uh, he's going to get some playing time here. Uh, I think NC State takes this game. I think they're going to take it by two touchdowns. What about you, Lando? What you got? Yeah, so this week I'm actually going to do an upset as well. My lock of the week is going to be the Kansas Jayhawks over the Kansas State Wild Kittens. Uh, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, my sister went there. And Kansas actually played pretty well last week, even though they didn't have less miles. So I think uh, this week they're going to pull it out and beat the number 20-ranked Kansas State Wildcats. Well, Lando, I like the upset pick, man. It's going to go with some upsets for lock of the week. Uh, we got a couple games to pick, though, starting with our own Georgia Southern Eagles taking on the number 25 Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. So Coastal Carolina is ranked 25, and uh, n- number 25-ranked teams usually don't have a lot of luck with uh, Georgia Southern. But they're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Lando, who you got in this game? Yeah, so I said this before when uh, Georgia Southern played Louisiana Monroe. Uh, 
Georgia Southern plays really well against ranked football teams that are in the same kind of like echelon as they are. So I'm going to go with Georgia Southern, obviously, in this game. And I think they're going to win them, beat them in a close game. I think they're going to beat them by six points. So the last time Georgia Southern played a ranked team, they lost by three. Uh, what was it, three? Or yeah, was it? at the last second. Yeah, at the last second. They lost by three at the last second. So this time they're going to win by six. I got Georgia Southern. Chad, who you got? Um. So if this game was in Paulson, um, in Statesboro this week, I would be going with Georgia Southern. But I this game is in Conway um, on the teal turf, uh, which is honestly some of the most horrid, horrid turf I think I've ever seen in my entire life. It's Disgusting. just god-awful trying to watch a football game. Yeah, it's terrible. It gives me a headache. Like, I love Boise's blue turf, but this teal turf in Conway, South Carolina, is absolutely atrocious. But I, I've made a point on this show before um, that I really, really like Grayson McCall. Um, I think um, Chadwick has done a phenomenal job um, as the head coach at Coastal Carolina and getting them to this point where they are, where they're ranked. Got a big win last Wednesday night. Great football game. They took down undefeated ranked Louisiana Lafayette, um, which truthfully Georgia Southern probably should have taken down Louisiana Lafayette in the game before for the Raging Cajuns. But I, I'm only going with Coastal Carolina because of the way Grayson McCall plays quarterback i think this kid's really good as a true freshman and i think this game being in conway instead of statesboro gives just gives coastal carolina a little bit of an advantage i've got coastal carolina by 14 but i have them scoring a garbage time touchdown to make it 14 i think they're up by seven and they just score late when they get the ball back so coastal by 14 matt who you got um unfortunately i've got to agree with a lot that you said chad um obviously i hope the georgia southern can pull this one out I think that Georgia Southern, like Lando and you mentioned, uh, Georgia Southern lost by two to Louisiana after they went for two on that. After they scored a touchdown, they went for the win. They got it. They were up one. Um, I think this Coastal Carolina offense is, is a little more potent than the Louisiana offense. And Georgia Southern, well, their defense has been spotty. Um, I, I don't know that they're going to be able to get enough stops. And the offense for Georgia Southern, it depends on week to week. Uh, last week, they played probably the literal worst team in college football in UMass. So a 41 nothing win there is not really that impressive. It's kind of expected. Um, so I'm going to go Coastal Carolina here. Wit, what you got? So this is my take the over game of the week. Coastal Carolina has a really, really, really good offense for a group of five team. Probably kind of up there where App State usually is in the group of five with that kind of offense. Like, not, not saying that Coastal Carolina is usually an App, is an App State kind of team the way that App State has been pretty good, how they dominated the Sun Belt the past couple of years. But they're giving up 24 points a game. And I think Georgia Southern's offense is actually starting to take off a little bit. Um, obviously, UMass is pretty terrible, but they looked a lot better. They're averaging 30 points a game. They're only allowing 19 points a game. Uh, but I think the Georgia Southern's going to be able to score on them. And I think they're kind of going to be coming out. Coastal Carolina's going to be coming out from last week's win over UL. Kind of a little tired, a little over. It was a really emotional win. Uh, and I think they're kind of going to be overlooking the Eagles. And I'm taking the Eagles by three. I think it's going to be a tight game. But I think Georgia Southern's going to pull off the upset. Let's get into our next game of the week. We got Lando's team, the Oklahoma Sooners, heading into Fort Worth to take on the TCU Horned Froggies. 
Um, I know Mark is probably going to be wishing he's at this game. Oklahoma is actually unranked uh, going into this game, and they're a seven-point favorite. Lando, who you got? It's going to be a close game. I got Sooners by three. Chad, who you got? <laughs> Lando's famous short takes are back. Um, uh, I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Um, I know this game is in Fort Worth, and believe it or not, um, even like with fans on a normal year, that's actually a pretty good atmosphere. Um, I think it's a very underrated atmosphere, but I, I think it's going to be a close game. TCU typically has a pretty good defense. Uh, they beat Texas. Um, I know they're one and two now. And I mean, TC Gary Patterson's done a fine job in the time he's been at TCU, but I don't think they're as good as they have been. I think they're kind of on a downward turn now. Um, I got Oklahoma by 14. I, I'm going with the same thing I said about the last game. I think it's close. I think Oklahoma scores a garbage time touchdown to make it a 14 point game and break away a little bit late. Matt, who you got? Sooners by seven. Sooners by seven. Uh, don't have a lot to say about it. Wit, who you got? Yeah, I'm kind of with you out here. I don't have a ton to say. I mean, I think Oklahoma's a good team. Um, I think they've obviously taken a big step back this year, so I don't think they're going to be blowing them out like they usually do. Uh, I think Oklahoma's going to win this game by, I'm going to say, I'm going to say six. I think they keep it. I think TCU keeps it within the seven point. Uh, the seven-point spread, but I, I still think Oklahoma's going to win this game by more than like three or four. Um, but we can go ahead and move, move on to the next game. We got a ranked matchup in the Big 12. We got the number 17 Iowa State heading into number six Oklahoma State. This game's in Stillwater. Oklahoma State is a three-point favorite. Lando, we'll let you start. Yeah, the first time I went to Stillwater was uh, for my cousin's graduation because he went to Oklahoma State. And personally, I hate that school with a dying passion. So, Iowa State. Chad, who you got? So, I love Mike Gundy. Always been a big fan of his. Uh, but I think Iowa State and Matt Campbell are kind of starting to find their groove after losing to Louisiana Lafayette. Start the season. Brock Purdy's definitely shown some improvement. Um, and I think they go on the road. And I mentioned it a few weeks ago. Oklahoma State's got this tough stretch coming up. And I think Iowa State exposes Oklahoma State and – proves to everyone that they're not the best team in the Big 12. So, Iowa State by seven. Brock Purdy has a big game. Matt, who are you going with? I'm with y'all. Uh, Iowa State, I don't think that Oklahoma State's really proven that they are the best team. Tulsa's a good team, but they struggled pretty pretty big time with Tulsa. Uh, so, I'm going to go uh, Iowa State, we'll, we'll say, by, by a field goal. Uh, Wit, who you got? I'm actually surprised you guys all picked Iowa State. I kind of felt like I was going on a limb picking them. Um, but I agree with you all. I think Iowa State is going to come in. I think they've been playing really good football. I actually think they're going to be the better football team in this game. I think Oklahoma State is really overrated, and I think they kind of have been from the beginning of the season, as you kind of saw when they played Tulsa. Uh, but I don't think Brock Purdy's the one that's going to be going off. I think it's going to be Brees Hall. He's the number, number three in rushing yards this year with 531, and he's been absolutely destroying teams since that first Tulsa game. Uh, so I got Brees Hall having a big day, maybe even putting his name in for the Heisman. And uh, I'm going Iowa State by 10. But uh, let's go ahead and get into our next game. It's a group of five game. We got the number number nine, Cincinnati, taking on number 16, SMU. Uh, Lando, what you got? Mm, Cincinnati by, let's go three safeties. Chad, who you got? For our mathematically challenged listeners out there, that's six points. Um, I'm going to go SMU by three. Uh, Desmond Ritter 
is six of four with his touchdown to interception ratio, and that's not that great considering that Cincinnati has only played three games. I would have loved to have seen Cincinnati play Tulsa, who I think is a pretty pretty decent team in the American Conference. Um, I know SMU struggled against Tulane last week and had to win in an overtime, but I think SMU was kind of looking at this game, and I think they're going to force Desmond Ritter to make mistakes, and that's going to be the difference. So I'm going to go SMU by three, and SMU puts themselves in the driver's seat to be that New Year's Six group of five team. Matt, who you got? So a couple of weeks ago, I – picked along with wit smu to be the the group of five team outside of cincinnati that would represent the group of five in a new year six bowl but that being said smu is a two and a half point favorite right now uh i i think cincinnati is going to win this game um smu i think shane buchel is a better quarterback so smu has the quarterback advantage but I think the Cincinnati overall as a team has just got a little bit more talent uh, than, than SMU. So I'm going to take the Bearcats in this one. Uh, going to be a close one. I think they win by five points. A field goal and a safety, as our good friend Lando would say. Uh, Wit, who you got? Yeah, like Matt said, me and him were talking about SMU a couple weeks ago. And I've been really high on him. Shane Buchel is number two in the country in passing yards. He's at 17-10. He's going absolutely ballistic. He's over even guys like Trevor Lawrence and some of those other stars out there. Um, and SMU's actually got the fourth-ranked and fourth-ranked total offense in the country right now, uh, which is crazy. But honestly, they have the same problem they had last year. They just don't have a great defense. They're not going to stop anybody. Um, not that Cincinnati's a world beater on offense, but they're averaging almost 400 yards a game on offense. And SMU's giving up over 410 yards a game. So I, I think Cincinnati is going to do just enough on offense to win the game. And I think their defense is going to be good enough to slow down Shane Bichelle in this, uh, in this offense. So I'm going Cincinnati. I'm going to say they win by 14. And uh, we'll move on to the next game, get to some Big Ten action. It's the first week with the Big Ten coming back. We got Nebraska taking on the number five Ohio State Buckeyes. In their first game, Ohio State is a 26-point favorite. Lando, who are you picking in this game? Yeah, my dad tells me a lot of stories about when he played against uh, lots of Nebraska-bound players in high school, and he said those players were absolute monsters. They would kick his ass every single play. But we're not in the 1980s anymore. We're in year 2020, and Nebraska is not what they used to be, so I got Ohio State by 10. Chad, who you got? Yeah, this is not your father's Cornhuskers anymore. Um, You know, this team, man, this team – you're right. Nebraska used to be a powerhouse back in the 80s and 90s. They absolutely destroyed uh, Steve Spurrier in Florida in the national championship in 1995. But, you know, once again, this is not your father's Cornhuskers anymore. Scott Frost has really struggled to kind of get that program trending in the right direction. He hasn't recruited that great. I think they've recruited around top 30, top 35. And the truth is Nebraska's a blue blood who's just or used to be a blue blood who's just waiting and salivating that fan basis to get back to where they were, and they're just not there. Um, I think Scott Frost has a lot of pressure coming on him this year to, to, to get the things going in the right direction, um, but Ohio State's just too good offensively and defensively. They're probably going to be a playoff team, and I think it's going to take a little time for these guys to get the rust off, um, you know, because they haven't, they haven't played yet, and it's, it's mid-October. But so I think Ohio State only wins by 17, but I, I think they dominate the entire way. 
Matt, who you got? Yeah, so I I think Ohio State is a team on it with a mission, and I don't I honestly don't think Scott Frost has as much pressure as a lot of other people think he's got on him uh, this year. I think he's still in that window where as long as he competes in some games and uh, shows improvement from the team overall, he's got like 18 year starter Adrian Martinez who feels like he's been there. He's like the Hunter Renfro of the big the Big Ten, been there for freaking ever. So I'm 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 with you guys though. I think Ohio State just comes out. They've got their team on a mission. They've got something to prove. And like we talked about with Clemson earlier, they're gonna have to blow some teams out to make sure that they assert themselves as a top four team in the country. I don't think that they're gonna cover, but I think that they win by twenty five. Uh wit who you got. Yeah, so I'm with you guys. Um I got Ohio State. I think they're the best team in the Big Ten by far. Um, I actually picked them before COVID and everything when I was doing my preseason picks. I picked them to beat Clemson in the national championship. Um, I know since COVID happened, there's a lot of things that have gone on. Um, obviously, they seem like they've been practicing since since the, since the everything got canceled for them, and they never really stopped. And uh, Ryan Day seems like the type of guy to keep them on the right track. But you never know what you're going to get in that first week. Uh, where all these teams are coming back. So I actually think that Ohio State's going to win the game, but I think they're only going to win by, I'm going to say, eight. I think they're going to keep it – I think Nebraska will keep it within ten. I think Nebraska knows that this is the last year with Scott Frost um, unless they really make some kind of some kind of push, show some, show some life, because they have been really bad since he's been there. They haven't been any better than they were before. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go to Ohio State by eight. And uh, we'll go ahead and get into our SEC game of the week. Uh, we got the number two Alabama Crimson Tide coming off a big win against Georgia, heading into Knoxville, Neyland Stadium uh, as a twenty-one point favorite, taking on the Vols. Landa, who you got? Not even close. Roll Tide, big Chad. Who you got? Yeah, I think Alabama's coming off an emotional win, so I think they kind of struggle a little bit early. Um, I know that's not very common of Nick Saban teams to do, but. I think Tennessee's going to be pumped up for this game, especially with the way they played last week and got dominated by Kentucky. But I'm going to say Alabama by 21. Uh, Matt, who you got? So a lot of people tend to forget that this is Alabama's traditional rival. Uh, it, you know, as much as I dislike the Auburn Tigers and I hate them, I grew up in a household that hated Tennessee more. And I despise the Volunteers. I am wholeheartedly, if you've never seen the video of the guy that talks about how much he hates Tennessee, they low down, they dirty, they some snitches. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I I hate the color orange that they wear. It's like a throw up from the pumpkin orange. Roll Tide, we go into Knoxville. I think it's closer than a lot of people are going to give it credit for. Uh, Actually, the last, I think it was the year before the last year of Butch Jones, it took an Alabama two-minute drill, and this was 2015 when Alabama won the national championship uh, with Jake Coker. It took an Alabama two-minute drill to win that game. Uh, that was kind of a, a, a big moment that year for, for the, the Tide. I think Alabama comes out slow. I think they win this game by by 17. All right, Whit, who you got? Yeah, Matt, I'm 100% with you. I got Alabama by 17, but I actually think that Tennessee has a shot in this game. Um, it's in Knoxville. I've been to Neyland Stadium, and it when even with half fans or twenty five percent fans, whatever it's going to be, when they play Rocky Top, that place gets loud. It gets real loud. And uh, from what I'm hearing from uh, behind the scenes, behind the scenes, I mean Twitter, 
Uh, it sounds like they're going to be playing Harrison Bailey this week over Jarrett Garantano, who uh, Harrison Bailey is actually from our hometown or me and me keys and Lando's hometown. And I've actually seen him play live a couple of times um, when I was living back home before moving out here to Nashville. And he's a good quarterback. He's really, really good quarterback. Won a state championship for Marietta last year. Um, I've been really high on him since he was a freshman in high school. Actually, my grandpa actually pointed him out to me one time and goes, that guy's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country or in the sec one day. He's like, I really hope he ends up at Georgia. Um, I'm not, I definitely will not pick Tennessee to win this game, especially how with how Alabama's offense looked last week. Um, but I think it's, it's a little bit of a trap game for Alabama going into Neyland. Um, so I think Alabama by 17, I think it was a good pick. I think Tennessee's going to cover, um, and show a little bit of life, I think they're going to start looking a lot better from here on out after this game. Yeah, I was just going to add one note. This game has a lot of Ole Miss feel to it to me, where it's going to be a close game until late. I think Alabama scores. They go up by seven late, and then that's when they really just pour it on with a field goal and then a touchdown late. That's how they get to 17. Yeah, Um, I could see it being close at halftime or something like that too. Oh, for sure, for sure. Tennessee hates Alabama as much as Alabama hates Tennessee. And oh, yeah. rivalry games, they're always close. And and people have kind of lost the – it's lost the luster of the third Saturday in October because they've ne- Alabama's never lost to Tennessee under Nick Saban. Hopefully that continues. Well, I think the Crimson Tide is going to be smoking some cigars after the game. I know that for a fact. Uh, we'll go ahead and get into our last game. We got uh, number 18, Michigan, uh, who's a three-point favorite going into – Minnesota, who's ranked 21. Uh, Lando, who you got in this game? Yeah, I think Jim Harbaugh is going to get fired after this year. I got Minnesota by 15. Chad, what you thinking? Yeah, I don't know if Harbaugh is going to get fired. Um, I personally think that Jim Harbaugh is going to take an NFL job again before he really gets fired from Michigan because if you look at his record at the end of the day, I mean, I know he hasn't really done well against Michigan State and Ohio State, but you can't fire him with the record he's got. Um but saying that, like I said earlier, I was very high. I'm very high on P.J. Fleck. I love Rashad Bateman. I love Tanner Morgan. That whole Minnesota offensive line is coming back. Um, I got Minnesota by 10. I have really high expectations for the Golden Gophers this year, and I really hope they do well. I, I'm rooting for them as an underdog. So it's a little bit of a biased pick, but I think Jim Harbaugh's questions that are surrounding him at Michigan are going to continue, and it's going to start right off the bat this season with with this game. So I've got Minnesota by 10. Um, it's a primetime game and I think they're going to live up to it. Matt, who you got? They got three words, row the boat, Minnesota golden gophers. They, uh, they come out, they uh, home game crowd. I don't know what kind of crowd they're going to have, if any at all, but, uh, I know that the buzz around that, that, that program is, is huge right now. And I think the golden gophers win, I'm going to go by it with a with a seven-point win for the Golden Gophers. Wit, who you got? Uh, this actually kind of surprised me, too, uh, that you guys are all picking Minnesota. For some reason, I thought I was making a bunch of upset picks this week. Um, but, yeah, I got Minnesota, too. I'm really high on P.J. Fleck. I actually had Tanner Morgan as my number three quarterback coming into this year. Uh, I've been really high on him. Ever since he got thrown into quarterback for Minnesota, they've been a lot better with P.J. Fleck at the helm. Um, I'm a huge Rashad Bateman guy. Um, he's actually, he's from Georgia too. I think he's actually kind of from near our hometown. I'm not exactly sure where he's from. I can't remember, but he's an absolute stud. Um, I think he shined even over a guy like Tyler Johnson last year. He was a beast. 
Uh, they bring back all kinds of guys on offense. I think Minnesota is going to struggle a little bit on defense this year, but I don't think Michigan's going to be able to do anything against them. Um, I got Minnesota by 17. I think they're going to win by 17. I don't, I don't think it's going to be very close. Well, that's our show, guys. Appreciate y'all coming out. We always have a good time doing this podcast, and we're glad that you guys are here. Uh, follow our Instagram account. We're at Around the Keg, and follow the Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. Send us some questions. Leave us some comments. Uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like, uh, who you like, who you don't like. Uh, we'd love to hear it. Uh, until next time, see you guys.